I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Ainsley Earhart. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, May 26, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. With people around the world quarantining at home, there are concerns about increased domestic violence cases. The amount of social change, medical change there is, societal change there is, uh, economic change, and it happened within 50 days. Those differences, especially the economic difference, uh, cause a great amount of uh, strain uh, in the house. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. Before we begin, I'd like to offer a trigger warning. Today's episode will discuss topics of domestic violence. As lockdowns are lifted in some areas of the world, others are yet to see a peak in the COVID-19 outbreak. Spending weeks indoors and away from work may seem like a vacation to some, but for others, it can be extremely dangerous. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear about domestic violence in the age of coronavirus from Dr. John DiCarlo, Associate Professor at the University of New Haven. Starting first in Russia, where widespread lockdowns remain in place, as more than 350,000 positive cases are being reported. Russian President Vladimir Putin is taking a similar approach to President Trump, allowing regional governors to determine reopening measures. More than 3,800 deaths are being reported in Russia as a result of COVID-19, but analysts worry that number may not provide an accurate picture of the country's mortality rate. Now to Brazil, that has seen more than 23,000 fatalities from coronavirus. The Brazilian president is blaming mayors, governors, and the media for the poor handling of the outbreak, but isn't taking much personal credit. One presidential advisor described the recent U.S. travel restrictions imposed on Brazil as, quote, press hysteria. Finally, in Australia, the federal government and New South Wales state have pledged $21 million to domestic violence services during the COVID-19 outbreak. Australia has seen more than 7,000 positive cases of coronavirus and just over 100 deaths. Authorities are concerned about extended isolation for residents and that it could affect domestic violence cases. The United Nations estimates 35% of women worldwide have experienced physical or sexual violence at some point in their lives. Men are also affected, but far less likely to report abuse, according to studies. So what challenges are survivors of domestic violence likely to face during this coronavirus global pandemic? Well, obviously, the uh, the concern, uh, the largest concern uh, with uh, intimate partner violence is uh, usually abusive behavior uh, by males to females. And uh, that, so that uh, uh, seems to be uh, generally on the rise. This is Dr. John DiCarlo, retired police chief and director of the Criminal Justice Master's Program at the University of New Haven. I say that with, um, uh, with uh, a, 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 the provision of also saying that uh, while we are measuring uh, the uh, incidence of uh, domestic violence, we, we are doing it in a way that research, researchers call a, um, uh, a kind of a, similar to a snapshot. Uh, so uh, it's cr- called cross-sectional data collection. And uh, uh, we do a quick look at data for a month. And uh, that, unfortunately, doesn't uh, tell us about trends. It just tells us about what's happening in the moment. And uh, the more, uh, the more uh, long-lasting uh, look, uh, the more uh, analytical look uh, that we uh, take at data is called the longitudinal uh, look. And that uh, means that we take a look over years and find out uh, what the COVID pandemic uh, did against other, uh, other types of um, uh, upsets. 
and uh, so, for instance, to give you an example, um, we we did find uh, that, uh, as you might imagine, Trey, uh, that there is a huge amount of macroeconomic upheaval uh, in the country now uh, because of unemployment, and this causes uh, above and beyond all the normal problems of intimate partner violence. Uh, that have existed before, this uh, macroeconomic uh, upheaval uh, adds to a stress, a uh, large stress factor in the, um, uh, in the homes. And uh, we found, uh, as a matter of fact, there were some interesting papers uh, published on it, but we found that interpartner violence in the Great Recession, in other words, the recession that we had in 2007 to 2009, was responsible for a longitudinal, uh, you know, a really... Uh, verified uh, trend uh, of abusive uh, behavior between uh, between those years, and we measured uh, then between 2001 and uh, 2010, and that was a, a paper written by Dan uh, Schneider and uh, Kristen Harknett, uh, and uh, it it uh, it proved uh, that uh, it, it wasn't just a spike, you know, that was happening because of. Um, other unrelated variables when they controlled for all the data variables that they had during that uh, time. There was a positive correlation between this economic upheaval that we're experiencing, experiencing, of course, uh, right now because of the uh, coronavirus and uh, an increase in intimate uh, partner violence in the household. So uh, that's interesting. Uh, In addition, uh, there have been... uh, there have been uh, criminological theories that uh, predict we could go back to uh, Cohen and Felsen's work, uh, which was called the routine activities theory. And uh, we, they predicted that with large-scale um, change in, uh, in, uh, in society, we get differences in the way crime is perpetrated. We get different numbers. We get different trends. So uh, when we look at that theory... Uh, and then look at uh, domestic partner violence uh, in the United States right now. Um, we're looking at a time uh, when we uh, that is really unprecedented in my lifetime uh, in, in the, the amount of social change. Uh, there is medical change, there is uh, societal change, there is uh, economic change, and it happened within like 50 days. So uh, it's a huge difference, and th- those differences, especially the uh, the one that we measure, the, the economic difference, uh, cause a great amount of uh, strain uh, in, in the house. And uh, uh, Cohen and Felsen said that when we uh, when we change a lot, uh, we get a different trend in crime. So we're not only looking at domestic violence right now, but we're looking at a lot of different crimes. You've been listening to Dr. John DiCarlo the director of the Criminal Justice Master's Program at the University of New Haven. We'll be right back. How difficult is it for officers to operate during a global pandemic like this, expecting that you are going to see higher numbers of calls when it comes to things like domestic violence or other crimes? What are some of the challenges that officers face when they are trying to protect and serve their communities? Well, it's interesting. We're not only uh, we're not only seeing uh, we're seeing different types of numbers and calls for domestic crimes. For instance, in in California and San Diego, they're actually down uh, in domestic violence calls. Los Angeles is down like minus thirteen percent. Uh, 
San Jose is down 16.7%. So they're not everywhere is up, and it seems to be down in uh, in cities. And uh, there there are other places. Um, uh, right now, we're seeing a trend toward more uh, more uh, suburban places uh, that are going up. For instance, here in Connecticut, we are up 20 percent uh, in. Um, in Colorado and Carbondale, they're up 28 percent. So uh, Illinois, Chicago, they're up 43 percent. So that bucks the trend, and you know that uh, of, of the uh, suburban increase. So uh, when we look at that, we look at other numbers. You know, so we see that car thefts, uh, thefts from cars, not car thefts, uh, thefts from cars, uh, which is also called car burglary in some jurisdictions, is up. Uh, we find that uh, motor vehicle stock are down as a, as a consequence of there being a lot less traffic on the road. Um, burglaries are down. And this goes back to, again, uh, Cohen and Felsen's theory. Uh, when women uh, kept working after World War II, uh, the, way that, uh, the way that the routine activities of society played out was is that it gave uh, burglars an opportunity to go into houses and burgle those houses during uh, during that time. So uh, right now we are in a position with policing to look at what's happening. Uh, we're, we're handling uh, more calls um, remotely. Uh, we are not going to certain types of calls um, because they are uh, they are deemed uh, okay to do on the phone uh, because they're just reports. Uh, but that flies in the face of what we call community policing. And community policing, of course, is a very strong interaction between uh, the police, uh, a positive interaction between the police and the community that they work in. Yeah, I was going to, it's an interesting concept of community policing. And I wanted to ask you, amid this economic uncertainty and the uncertainty in knowing whether or not police forces will have the appropriate funding from taxpayers to continue operating as they were doing before the pandemic. What role can community policing play to report crimes and other incidents that would happen in a home, such as domestic violence or other uh, criminal acts like you discussed? Are there times where a police force is relying on those in the community to ensure that if an officer can't enter a home or officers are deciding not to directly go out on calls because of the health risks, that the community can play a role and report some of these crimes to ensure that their neighborhoods and and homes are safer? Sure. And that uh, is a great question. And really, it is the basis of something called collective efficacy in in communities. And uh, when we look at police departments and go back as far as when uh, Robert Peel in the 1800s started the uh, Metropolitan Police Department in London, uh, he uh, his staff wrote something called the Peelian Principles of Policing. And number seven happened to be out of nine uh, happened to be that say that the and I'm paraphrasing here that the police are the people and the people are the police. The police are just professionals who go out and uh, uh, take care of incidents that go beyond the scope of uh, the efficacy that happens in communities when people communicate uh, and uh, are are, uh, self-sustaining and self-policing. And, you know, anyone that has ever gone on a a subway in uh, the city uh, has uh, seen the signs, if you see something, say something. And the the, uh, 
uh, I was just recently in Manchester, England, and they've taken it a step farther. If you see something, say something, and we'll sort it. Uh, and that, that calls for the interaction, the positive participation of people in policing their own communities and preventing crime. Uh, George Kelling, the, uh, the very famous criminologist, said that the primary mission in the United States or any police department should be to prevent the next crime. Because once we let a crime occur, we have a victim and uh, we're not practicing preventive, uh, preventative uh, uh, crime uh, crime prevention, just as we sometimes don't prevent uh, 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 disease in a medical situation. So once we let crime happen, we have to fix it. If we prevent crime, we don't have the initial problem uh, or the initial victim. And uh, so it's really important uh, for people to take part in, in crime prevention and uh, uh, maintaining their own communities. What resources are out there for people who are victims of crimes and specifically looking at domestic violence while there is this pandemic ongoing? Are there numbers that people can call? Are there websites they can visit if they don't want to reach out directly to 911 or the police force? Yes, uh, definitely. There are uh, there are domestic violence hotlines in uh, almost every city in the United States, and uh, they are well publicized. Uh, so I, I would uh, I would say that the, the best thing to do is if you do suspect that you are becoming a victim of domestic violence uh, or another crime, please reach out. Don't suffer alone. Uh, and, and sometimes, um, you know, we have something called dark numbers of crime where where things like domestic violence, where burglaries, where rapes don't get reported. And uh, that skews data uh, so that when we do do studies, we underestimate the need for uh, resources for uh, victims of uh, crime. And uh, so what we would like to uh, encourage people to do is when they do become uh, a victim or are about to become a victim, please reach out. Don't, don't try to uh, fix it yourself. Reach out. Seek help and uh, protect yourself. Uh, and uh, very often during domestic violence, there is a reluctance to do that because of, uh, of uh, many uh, dynamics that occur in the family. So uh, we, we, we must continue on. Uh, and very often police are the, uh, the best resource to call for domestic violence unless something has exploded. Uh, but uh, the ongoing uh, struggle that uh, victims of domestic violence uh, live every day uh, is better handled by uh, counseling, is better handled by uh, uh, a, a medical look at it and a counseling look at it rather than a law enforcement look at it. So I would recommend that people who are, uh, are victims of domestic violence, please reach out and seek help. Certainly. Really appreciate your insight on this topic and your experience, not only in the police force, but also in education and research. Dr. John DiCarlo, Associate Professor and the Director of the Master's Program in Criminal Justice at the University of New Haven. Dr. DiCarlo, thanks again for your time. Thanks, Trey. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.